You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. This morning is from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 16. Because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable, since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. We have many parts in one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. In the same way, though, there are many of us, we are one body in Christ, and individually we belong to each other. We have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, you should prophesy in proportion to your faith. If your gift is service, devote yourself to serving. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving should do it with no strings attached. The leader should lead with passion. The one showing mercy should be cheerful. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the Spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and don't think that you're better than everyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think that you're so smart. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lane, thank you so much for reading our scripture this morning. It speaks of many gifts, and in our church, each and every one of you have a gift, if not multiple gifts, that God uses to bring glory to God and to serve the church and the world. One of the gifts that Barbara brings is her gift for music, and each week when she and I talk about what the plan will be for worship, I try to provide a sense of what the theme will be in a series and then what the theme will be for each week of a series. Sometimes I'm able to give her all of the preaching texts at the beginning of this planning time, and sometimes I do that week by week. But when she and I do this work of planning worship, we pray as we work. And I love to see the work of the Holy Spirit come through in the ways that the hymns that she selects connect with the sermon text for that week. This week, I had to laugh. The Holy Spirit does have a sense of humor. Our final hymn later in worship will be, In Christ There Is No East or West. The very first verse of this hymn says, In Christ there is no east or west, in him no south or north, but one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. As soon as I saw that that was the uh, hymn that we'd be singing, I laughed because this past week, my attention has been divided between the Northeast and the Southeast and the North Central and the South Central and the Western jurisdictions of the United Methodist Church. 
Beginning on Tuesday, these five different areas of United Methodism in the United States met for their jurisdictional conferences. So, of course, in Christ, there's one great fellowship of love, but as Methodist, we organize ourselves and we divide ourselves north and south and east and west. And this group has not yet met for six years because of COVID. Normally, it meets every four years. Some of the most important work that these groups do is they elect the bishops who lead the annual conferences within those jurisdictions. And because we have not met for six years, we have a lot of bishops who have retired. Once they reach a certain age, they are required to retire by the the rules of the church. And so even though uh, the general conference did not meet this year, it's postponed until 24, there was special permission that was given for the jurisdictions to gather to elect their bishops. Now, in order to be a bishop in the church, you must be ordained an elder. Those at Central know that there are ordained elders and deacons. Pastor John was a deacon. But when you are an elder, you are ordained to word service, sacrament, and order. To order the life of the church. To deal with the administration. Here at Central, after worship today, we're going to be having our annual meeting. We call it a charge conference or a church conference. And it's my duty as the elder of this church to make sure we get the paperwork turned into the district. It's one of those things that is part of my calling and as part of my ordination. And so when we gather as a jurisdiction to elect bishops, we have elders who have raised their hands and said, I think I may have the gifts that are needed to serve as a bishop at this time. And we have annual conferences who have discerned which elders among them might be the ones that God is lifting up. And then there is a, an opportunity for all of the people who will be voting to interview potential bishops. And then we have the elections. It's a long process. There were, I think, 18 ballots in the Southeast to elect three people to serve as bishops. But what I want you all to remember is that even though people are set apart in ministry as an ordained elder, they're not set above anyone. No ordained elder or deacon and no bishop is above any other disciple of Christ. Each and every one of us have gifts that are vital to the church. There are some people, as Paul put it today, who have a gift of service. And if that is your gift, Devote yourself to serving. There are some, as Paul put it today, whose gift is teaching. And if that is your gift, then teach. If your gift is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. And if your gift is leading, the leader should lead with passion. These are just some of the gifts that Paul has named It is an opportunity for people who have gifts for a certain purpose to use them for God's glory. But no one is more important than anyone else in the body of Christ. A leader is not more important than a teacher and a teacher is not more important than a servant. Each and every one of us belongs to the body. And in the same way that we belong to the body, that means that we belong to each other. This is the hard work of being the church. It is not just bringing your gifts, but it is remembering that everyone else is an equal. 
Paul was clear in the text that Lane read for us a moment ago. Consider everyone as equal. Don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think that you're so smart. We are one body of Christ and we belong to one another. That was the ideal. But the reality is when we gathered this week, we had moments of beauty where we showed that we love one another like family. And then we had moments of hardship and pain that actually showed that we love one another like family. Loving someone like family does not always mean that loving them is easy. As I watched the live stream of the official proceedings, as I heard from friends who were present in the Northeast and the Southeast and in the North Central and South Central and in the Western jurisdictions, I saw glimpses of the beautiful unity that that hymn named as one great fellowship of love. I saw the way that mission is woven in with the work of these administrative bodies ordering the life of the church. Just in the Southeast, we took a collection for those who are suffering from the hurricane that hit Florida recently. There are other opportunities to be in mission that each of those jurisdictions took to show that we belong to each other. Sometimes we do forget what it means to belong to each other. I saw the divisions that we have created between ourselves, dividing along political issues, dividing along the current hot button issue of inclusion in the life of the church, people who are gay. The question of ordaining or electing bishops who are gay. The question of marriage for those people who are gay. I also saw racism discussed and racism lived out. I saw the way that each jurisdiction grappled with these challenges, some in beautiful hope-filled ways of reconciliation and confession, and some in ways that continued to perpetuate sin. It was both a hopeful and a discouraging week to remember that this is the part of the church in which I am a member to celebrate the wonderful part of being the body of Christ and belonging to one another and to grieve what it means when we forget that we belong to each other. And so this week I took some solace as I read Reverend Warren's reflection in her chapter of liturgy of the ordinary. She reflected on what it means to be church. And she wrote in the sin and failure of the church, We see the darkness and ugliness for which Christ suffered and died. But we also see the spectacular hope that in the midst of sinners, God can bring forth redemption, repentance, and transformation. We gaze in weakness with dim eyes on the power of God. And here's a further complication. The church is not an entity outside of me. I do not stand on the outside looking in. I am as much of the church, in Paul's words, as a hand is part of a body. That means that when I see sin in the church, I am implicated in it. 
I contribute to the brokenness of the church. I have dealt wo- I have dealt wounds to others. I have been unfaithful to the church. Every church leader and every church member is in no insignificant way a failure. But here too, we see God's power because in the body of Christ, we find a place where we can be gloriously and devastatingly human. We find a place where we can fail and repent and grow and receive grace and be made new like a family, but even closer than a family. We can learn to live together weak and human in the goodness and transformation of God. I don't know what these coming weeks and months and years have for our part of the body of Christ. The United Methodist church is undergoing division at the moment. And this is painful. And this, I do not believe brings glory to God. And yet it is the way that we humans are trying to work out what it means to love one another and to stop causing harm to each other. I pray that God will indeed continue to transform the individuals in the church. And more than that, I pray that God will transform the church. I remember this hope because God has been with the body of Christ that we call the church for 2000 years. And I don't believe that God is done with us yet. As we gather for worship today, we are celebrating all saints day, which has just passed in our calendar. And we will gather at the table of God to share in communion, to remember that God has promised to be present with us. And this means that when we break bread, we break bread with the ones here in this room, the family that we know and we love. We break bread with those of you who are at home, breaking bread and remembering that we are connected to Christ. But we also break bread with people across our country and across our world who might think very differently than we do and yet who seek Jesus and they come to the table just as we come to the table, seeking God's presence, seeking God's love and seeking God's transformation for them and for this world. And so when we come to the table this morning, we partake in the mystery of Christ being present to us. We partake in the mystery of Christ transforming us. And I pray that we partake in the mystery of Christ continuing to transform our church, giving us sustenance for the journey until one day we all feast together at the heavenly banquet where we will be seated at the very same table with the ones who voted this week in ways that caused harm and the ones who voted this week in ways that lifted up the glory of God. All of those will be seated at the same heavenly feast one day. And so as we come to the table today, let us practice making space for everyone in the body with all of the gifts that they bring so that we will feast at the heavenly banquet. Thanks be to God for God's continued faithfulness to us. As we remember All Saints Day today, we're going to light a few candles on the altar. I have four candles for four members of our church who have died in this last year. But then I have a fifth candle that I will light. 
And so I invite anyone at home or for those who are here, as I light that fifth candle, to name out loud or in your hearts any of the ones that you love who have died this year as well. today, Patty Fuller, Pete Coleman, Shirley Bonneville, Sarah Palmatier, and all those whom we hold in our hearts and name before you now, O Lord. come to this table not because the table itself is special, but because it is an echo of another table, a table that was laden with God's good gifts, a table where no one goes hungry or sits alone, a table where everyone is loved, a table where all the ones that we have ever loved and who have ever loved us will sit and feast together. We grieve in this life when we have empty chairs around our tables at home, but we know that through Christ, this separation is only temporary. We celebrate that as we gather at God's table today, there are no empty seats, but we gather with all the saints, those who have gone before us in faith and who are at the heavenly banquet. All are welcome at this table. For those of you at home, I hope that you will prepare your crackers or bread, your juice or wine. And for those who are here, I hope that as you came in to worship today, you got your elements as well. If you did not, there are some at the check-in table. Does anyone need to go get theirs? No, good. All are welcome to participate in communion today. encounter God at the table, we remember the faithfulness of God and admit that our hearts are always are not always faithful. We wonder, we argue, we forget. We divide ourselves with anger and bitterness and falsehood. Let's try to come back together again and let's start with the truth. Let us confess our sin together. God you send us saints, 
and we imprison them or nail them on crosses. God, you send us saints. And we persuade ourselves that they are fools or meddlers or accomplices. God, you send us saints. And we take them for reminding us that our comfort requires the positive of others. God, you send us saints. And we more of them. Let's have our all silent prayer. God's word to us is a word of forgiveness, a word of assurance, a word of grace. We are loved and accepted because we are and God is. Nothing can separate us from our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer. Amen. We continue worship with great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right to give thanks to you, O God, creator of all that we know, of all that is seen and unseen. You formed the worlds, every tree, every star, every ocean, the work of your hands. But more than dust and clay, you created humanity by breathing your breath into us. You formed us in your image. You walked with us in the garden. And even when death crept in, you did not abandon us. You found a way to bring us to life. Still, death haunted your people in Egypt where they faced slavery. In the promised land where they chose war. In Babylon, where they were forced to live in exile. Even in good times, not all people flourished. Hunger, poverty, arrogance, and greed all threatened the life of your people. So you sent prophets. You sent them to remind humanity to be good to one another. That death and war and exile never have the last word. That you would always return to redeem and rescue. That there was a way to life. In time, you sent your son to walk among us, fully human, fully God. He ate and laughed. He made friends. He taught and healed and forgave sinners. He called out hypocrites and risked safety for the sake of your kingdom. And he wept when his friend Lazarus died. Jesus knew grief and loss as we do. Death haunted Jesus. He knew that it would be part of his story. But in a single breath, he moved from fearing death to trusting you. When he prayed in the garden saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus was crucified and his friends grieved. But after three days, their grief transformed. While death was part of Jesus's story, it was not the end of the story. Jesus broke death's power, and he showed us once and for all that God's love is stronger than death. So we praise you, O God, joining our voices with the choirs of angels and the great multitude that no one can count of people from every nation, from every tribe, people of all languages, all of those ordinary saints who have finished their race 
and who now praise you, and we join them by singing the unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy Spirit, move in us that we might know that we too are counted among the saints of God, your beloved children, your vessels of grace. We pray that we might be transformed so that our lives would proclaim the one who was crucified and has been risen. On the night before Jesus died, he took bread, he broke that bread, he gave it to his friends and his disciples, and he said to them, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And when the supper had ended, he took the cup and gave thanks to you, O God. And he said to his friends and disciples, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, We offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ Christ has has died. Christ Christ is risen. risen. Christ Christ will come come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here in this space and gathered in homes around the world. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be in these gifts of bread and the fruit of the vine that the bread we break together and the cup that you share remind us how we belong to you and how we belong to each other. May it remind us that in ordinary things, your love is found and in ordinary lives, your grace is known and in ordinary days, we can find your presence. Keep us breaking bread together in joy and in faith until you return to this world that you love, this earth that you made, and the people you cherish. Until that day, we lift our prayers to you, O God, for all glory and honor is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And as beloved children of God, may we all say the prayer he taught Jesus as we say, Our Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.